There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 20th, 2010. I always suggest newcomers go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com websites and look at all the other sites I have up there. Sometimes the big ones freeze on me, they stop me from uploading. And if you have all these sites bookmarked for future use, you can always get the latest audios for download. And they're for free, remember. All the shows I do are up on the archive section at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. So there's also CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.ca. There's CuttingThrough.Jenkness.com. And there's Alan Watt, Sentinel.eu. The Sentinel site, remember, is the European site has all the same audios for download, but it's got the addition of a lot of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years for download, and you can choose from the various languages of Europe. It's customary for me to rattle the tin can at this time and remind the audience that you bring me to you. It's something that most folk will forget because they they hear all the different people coming on and think everything's for free. That's the way things are today. We're going into the big free trap, and we will be in a big free trap down the road, believe you me, where governments will know everything about you and monitor everything you're doing, but they'll give you lots of fun as you're giving all your information out there. So it's up to you to keep me going and put some coppers in that tin can there. You can donates to me through PayPal, Cash, Western Union, MoneyGram, um, international postal money order from the States, if you wish. Uh, you can also buy the books I have through PayPal as well as all those other methods I've just mentioned. Personal checks are good from the U.S. to Canada. As I say, a lot of people in the U.S. don't like the banks anymore. Uh, no wonder. We, none of us like them anywhere. And they can go to the post office and get an international postal money order. That's the orangey-pinky one for international communism. And that gets to Canada. The green one is for internal use only. As I say, you can order through all those methods or send cash or use PayPal. Just send a separate email if you want to use the PayPal button for donations. It's up to you. Those who get the disc burned and passed to them, you can write to me at Alan Watt. Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P, as in Peter, the number 3, E, as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N, as in Nora, the number 1. P3E4N1. It's... uh, a new world order, as they say, and most folk are going into it without a clue as to how how we're going into it or why we're going into it. 
it's so easy to say it's a bunch of fascists at the top, it's a bunch of communists at the top or internationalists, but really it's got a, such a long, long history that no one touches on. And uh, if you don't understand the history of what's happened, you won't understand how we are the way we are today and where it's supposed to all take us. The social sciences certainly do know because the social scientists have been studying us for such an awful long, long time that the crowds, as they called it back in the 1800s, was widely studied, how mass man works together, um, right down to the affiliations of mass man. That's what Bernays, if you want to peruse his books, will tell you that uh, he looked through the phone books for all existing organizations to find out what connected people inside an organization, what their common interests. The same thing they're doing today on the Internet with your data. Back after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. As I say, this, uh, this system we live in has a long, long history where private organizations were already taking over and bypassing the functions of governments back in the 1700s and the 1800s. And it started off really with so-called philanthropists, an interesting term because you think of them as people who go around dishing out cash to charity. Uh, these philanthropists, though, mind you, were extremely rich men. They wanted a way to also avoid various taxes, but they also wanted to have control over the reins of power in their own countries and even abroad where they had investments and sometimes factories. That has never changed today. And... Uh, they also combined their attitudes with Karl Marx, believe it or not. And they claimed, in fact, at the time that Karl Marx took over from Christianity. If you read the writings by the big boys themselves, they'll tell you that in their books, like Brzezinski. And, and that really what they're trying to say is that um, everything's an evolution, and therefore Marxism was an evolution of Christianity, according to these big guys at the top. And they've got nothing but praise for the Marxian philosophies or theology, because it's a belief system in itself. And what's also interesting, too, is that Adam Weishaupt talked about uh, philanthropists. He said that by the creation of uh, foundations and philanthropy, uh, we shall gain power over the governments. He said that in his own writings. That was also echoed by the, the Pope, as they call it, no free Masonry, uh, Albert Pike, and they have certainly been involved since then in creating hundreds and hundreds of foundations. Sometimes they have a hundred foundations funded by one single one, so they're all front ones, but they're specialising in special areas of society. And a long time ago, they decided that eventually their own organisations that are networking together would form a, a parallel government. This was solidified, remember, in Professor Carl Quigley's time when he, as the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, admitted in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, and his other book, The Anglo-American Establishment, you have to read both of them, uh, where they fill in all the blanks in history that they don't tell you in the school books, he admits that this parallel government has been behind all the major events 
that happened in the 20th century, including wars. They were heavily involved in various kinds of uh, machinations and scheming and, and also uh, trying to sway different dictators to go certain paths and their own governments. They also put their own members into governments, so they infiltrated governments under the guise that they're a private club, basically. And it's never been such a powerful private club as the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the parents of the Council on Foreign Relations. These were set up in Britain, these organizations, through such as the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, both private organizations, they were set up by bankers. Not just bankers who lend to you at the till at a, at a counter in some shopping mall or, or corner street building, but international bankers. They lent money to, to governments, even for warfare purposes. Any governments, all governments, even opposing governments in warfare. And they decided at the time, that uh, they'd also uh, network with the philanthropists and form a parallel government. Well, that has been done. If you notice, over the last few years, uh, they bring on board the so-called speakers for the non-governmental organizations which are run by the foundations. They're they're, they're really fronts, in, in a sense, for the foundations and their policies. It's a form of Sovietization because Soviet means ruled by councils. And technically, and uh, on paper, at least in the Soviet Union, uh, for every trade there was or any workplace there was or factory or whatever it happens to be, there was always a non-governmental organization with a, a selected spokesman who was always picked by the Politburo. We have the same system now on board with all the world meetings at the United Nations funded by the foundations, but these leaders are picked by the foundations. Often, in fact, they're set out to set up the non-governmental organizations to get all the followers, you know, the sheep into it, the ones who stand behind and shout the slogans they're told to shout like George Orwell's had an animal's farm for the sheep. And these heads are given incredible salaries and pension plans, and they have office buildings and office blocks and all the rest of it, these little so-called grassroots organizations who now pretend to speak for you. You don't even know them. Many of you have never even heard of them, all these different organizations, but their leaders get into the big international meetings. They get sometimes get brought on board with various government policy sectors, and advise governments, and yet you don't vote for any of them. This is the post-democratic era which they talked about in, as I say, Quigley's talks and the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome actually stated in one of its own books that they'd looked at all the different systems in the world of ruling the people, and of all the systems they preferred collectivism, which is a form of Sovietization. They admired the Soviet system for, for the way it kept, the government literally kept track of everything that happened across the land. 
uh, everything was under observation, everything was planned that way. Mind you, nothing worked the way it's supposed to uh, on paper, but they admired that uh, power the government had over the entire country or countries which they ran. Uh, This was echoed again by even Margaret Thatcher. When she left politics, she said, uh, that she was, she would not be retiring from influencing decisions on the world. She said, I've now joined the parallel government. This is a Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR. She says, we all know each other, all the ex-presidents and prime ministers across the world. Uh, we work together. Uh, we have our own meetings. She says, we are, in, in essence, a parallel government. We can get things done without having to be responsible to the general public. They don't have to answer to anything. And going back to Carol Quigley, the historian for the CFR, he said the same thing. He says these people become what's called technocrats. He says the politicians can get all the booze or all the accolades, but he says we can give uh, uh, the real power to those behind the scenes, like the Maurice Strongs, these types of characters, technocrats, the Kissingers, the Brzezinskis. They get things done. Without democracy, they said democracy has too many factions all competing for power that there's nothing but chaos and it would never work. So we're post-democratic. But I've given you something to stand in for you and it's the show of the non-governmental organizations, special interest groups as they're sometimes called as well, who pretend to speak on behalf of the general public and they demand things from governments and the governments are only too happy to hear their demands and sign it into law. In fact, they're waiting for it. So that's how the world really, really works. But getting back to Bernays, Bernays studied the world. He studied the people. He was, he was even taught by uh, Freud. Freud. He was his nephew of Freud. But he didn't glean this stuff from flipping through Freud's book on just the subconscious and its motivations. He was trained from a very, very early age on how the masses work, basically. And as I said, he looked through phone books in different cities. He he says, why set up an organization when one already exists? All you have to do is to start funding it with money, get in on the work angle, and then come up to the top and take it over. Now you've got thousands of followers already there. They're already there for you. Why start up something new? And they've been very, very good at this for the last hundred-odd years, very little out there has any set resemblance to what it started out to be today. And that's where we are today with it. Post-democratic, an ordered society. You have the Fabian Society, another branch really of the same group of Royal Institute for International Affairs, all working towards this same goal. It's not to be a nice, wonderful world where... Uh, we can go to Africa and live if we want to, and Africans come, can come here if they live, uh, if they want to, and all this kind of stuff, and we'll all be big, uh, one big happy family. Uh, far from it is to be a world set up into regions. Uh, the regions are already, in fact, they published the regions of the world uh, back in, during World War II. During World War II, of a post-World War II world, they published the maps. I have it here somewhere. I'm sure it's up on the Internet. And it had all the different regions for a European region, North American region with the Caribbean. That's why we're down in Haiti, actually, part of the reason, apart from the oil. And uh, they also had one for the Far East, uh, the Pacific Rim region. Everything was split into regions. 
and Brzezinski in his own books once again. Brzezinski was a big, big player. He still is a big player. He admits himself he's still involved in stirring up uh, people to revolt within Iran. He's got a hand in it. So these are big, big players, and he also worked with the NSA. He worked with departments of futuristic weaponry, all that kind of stuff. He talked about using technotronic warfare upon the general public and EMP-type waves, harp talk technologies that could literally uh, be used like tranquilizers to tran- tranquilize a whole continent, if need be. These, are, these aren't little guys at the top giving wish lists with no real experience to draw on of what they're talking about. This guy was up there, and he still is up there. The world they're bringing in is a totally controlled society run on socialist, collectivist principles. Right down to birth control, who'll get born, who won't get born, and so on. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just giving a little brush up onto how we got to where we are and where it's supposed to go. The, the complete um, nanny state, some call it, especially in Britain, uh, where the government's into your very home, checking your refrigerator to give you lectures on, on how long to store meat and so on and maybe go off meat altogether. That's part of the reason. And... Uh, Coming into even putting cameras in your homes, cameras in thousands of families' homes now by order of the government. That doesn't surprise me though, because I read years ago, and I've mentioned it on the air before, uh, back in the 70s, I think it was in uh, the American Psychological uh, Magazine. Uh, they said at the time they wouldn't be happy until every family was monitored by professionals to see, to look for signs of aggression. That was what they said at the time. Because the, even family arguments were to get phased out completely. You would not be allowed to get angry about anything. You can see the world that they're bringing us into is one controlled by pharma as well. Just like that THX movie, uh, it had all of that in it, where you get drugged all day long, they, they test your blood and your urine all day long to see if you need to up one drug or another or if you've missed some altogether, that's the kind of society they want to bring in. It's very odd, you see. They say that all conflict must be abolished. All conflict. Uh, that's why part of the reason, too, they wanted to abolish marriage or anybody mating with anybody for any length of time. Because there will always be some kind of conflict as two different personalities try to merge together and cooperate together and get along together. There's always little conflicts come up. Look at any school situation. Look at even kindergarten and watch the conflicts there. Conflicts are quite normal, obviously. But they don't want conflicts because they want to alter society in such a way that everyone is completely manageable by the government's. I've gone into it before where Wells and others talked about this as well. And that was also put in, into the movie 1984 uh, by Blair. As I always call him Blair, but uh, that's his real name. But he, in 1984, he said he, you have a, a, a television camera in every room. 
and a TV screen everywhere so that Big Brother really is watching you just like Britain and, and like it's supposed to come to Canada and the States and everywhere else in the world given time once they break down the barriers, as they call it, to opposition so that they can watch you and monitor you. And if you notice, too, in 1984, the movie, everyone lived on their own. No one lived with another partner. That was taboo. Then you go into the books again by the big boys like Charles Galton Darwin in his book, The Next Million Years, where he outlined the plan on behalf of the, 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 the elites. And he said the same thing. He said that we, we who rule the world, we who guide the world, must retain our wild capabilities because man is a wild animal with survival instincts, etc. We must retain these, so we must remain unaltered. But the rest of the public, we shall, it says, it says you won't need those uh, particular survival capabilities because the state will be making all their decisions for them. We're living through this. When these guys write these books and they belong to the biggest think tanks in the world, some of them secret, some semi-secret, and they're attending uh, world meetings at the United Nations, then you can take what they're saying to the bank. They mean this. This is an agenda they're talking about. It's not their private wishes. And we're living through that very phase now. They've accomplished much of their, their goals already. And we've read recently, too, where in France, they were the first country, because they're so socialist now, uh, they're the first country to pass laws uh, that a man and a woman having an argument, anyone shouting at someone else is going to be charged under the law for just for yelling. It's all coming to pass. These guys never... Never go ahead without really publishing and telling you where they're actually going to take you. They won't always tell you the methods, the methodology of introduction of the scheme, but they do tell you where they're going to take you. It's so bad in Britain. Now, Britain is a flagship for the world, remember. Now, that's where they test all of these things out first. I say they're all, they're, the government's in your, to your refrigerator. They're putting cameras up in folks' homes, thousands of families as a trial to the whole planet. Why do you think they're giving you reality shows? Why do you think that everybody wants to be on camera? You're getting trained <laughs> to be domesticated. Trained. As you think you're actually getting more freedom. You're copying what you see on TV. This article here, it's from the, the Sunday Express, UK News, and it's about this nanny state, they call it nanny state in Britain. Uh, it's so interesting, too, because you have this Fabian, it's a Fabian Labour government, all belonging to the Fabian Society of, of England, uh, that run Britain right now. And it says here, revealed Labour's nanny state guide to being a grandparent. See, they've, they've gone down through the generations. Now they've got to the grandparents. This is January the 20th, 2010. Labour has launched a nanny state guide to teach grandparents how to care for their grandchildren. Fascinating, really, fascinating. Because, you see, those grandparents were the ones they first attacked to destroy the family units give them a totally different culture, the drug culture and so on. Now they're telling them how to treat their grandchildren back after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Talking about the the totally controlled society that's coming in and where they always test everything out in Britain first. They're so beaten down, I think, in that country after centuries of uh, a very authoritarian type of society, a rigid kind of society, that that's why they use Britain to do all of this stuff. And I'm reading an article here from the express.co.uk, and all these articles, too, I mentioned, go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com website, and I, I'll put the links up at the end of the night if ExploreNet uh, graces me with the speed to uploads again, because they've been cutting me back, because I've been told to. But it says here, uh, Labour's nanny state guide to, to being a grandparent. In, in, in an insult to Britain's pensioners, Children's Secretary Ed Balls, what a name, what a name, hailed a new government-funded website, uh, begrand.net, which offers tips and advice on getting involved in grandchildren's lives. It's, it's astonishing. Here's what Fabian's at work here, uh, literally reorganizing society. Uh, they worked through the 60s, 70s, and 80s to help bring in this, this kind of nanny state um, socialist system. And here they are telling grandparents how to look after children. The same Fabians that had population control as top of their agenda since they were founded. In fact, they were terrified that the the lower classes would outbreed the elites and therefore they'd have some chaos and they were working hard towards uh, taking care of that as well. So now they're telling grandparents how to deal with children. It says here, but the site, which is part of an initiative costing taxpayers, oh, that's okay, a staggering £60 million, instead offers a series of bizarre and unnecessary tips on childcare for worldly grandparents, most of whom have already spent decades caring for their children. Grandparents, according to the site, often have strong and sometimes strange opinions. See, they don't want your opinions or your view of the world passed on between the generations, by the way. I've gone on about that so many times in the past. That was part of separating the generations. It says here, Amongst the information is nutritional advice, including a suggestion that teenagers can be bribed to eat their greens with a plate of french fries. Can you believe this? It's 60 million pounds from a country that's supposed to be bankrupted so many times over. And the last budget uh, was more than all the, all the accumulated budgets that ever had in history put together. It says, other indispensable tips include a guide on what uh, a burn is and why it may be a good idea to ring an ambulance if your child collapses. So if you burn yourself or if your child collapses, they tell you what to do, phone an ambulance. 60, is this jobs for the boys or what? Are, are the elite having so many offspring they've got to create all these government departments to put them in for life? Is that what it is? It says here, 
Choose a name your grandchildren can call you. Grandparents who have strong and sometimes strange opinions should settle on some names that satisfy all. Also, if you you have an ethnic root, it could be fun to try out the terms they'd have used in the old home, such as in Bubashka, uh, Russian, or Abuela, Spanish, uh, have a ring to them. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Pretty much any noise your new grandchild makes can be claimed as the word for you, even if not in your own language. Try Zulu or Takurda, which is Bengali for granddad. Oh, gee. Political correctness gone to extremes. And you know something? There's no expense spared when it comes out of the taxpayer's purse. Isn't that something? There's still folk in England losing their homes because of the crash in their mortgages. The hospitals are still grabbing your, your, your house. If, you, if you're elderly and you end up in a hospital, even for a brief time, they grab your home and sell it. This is a prototype for the planet, by the way. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how we're run. Now, there's a caller there from John from Ontario. Are you there, John? I'll take you now before I read the next article. Hello, that's me. That's you. Well, it's Kevin from uh, North Bay, Ontario, not a, not just down the road from where you are. We spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago there, Alan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm also a member of uh, We Are Change North Bay. We're finally getting uh, some political act, uh, some uh, political action going on here in northern Ontario. And, uh, you know, remember when we last spoke, they're pulling every trick they possibly can to set up this whole world government thing. And, of course, they do like to have... Uh, testing grounds for certain countries. I'm sure you've read about Bill C-6, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Here in Canada, we're now uh, this Codex Elementarius program where they're able to come into our homes without, uh, pretty much without a search warrant uh, just to, see, to make sure that we don't have any illegal natural medicine. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sad, but, you know, there are some people that are, that are starting to sign up for their rights, especially here in uh, northern Ontario, um, like I said, with the We Are Change group, and... Uh, Man. Well, I noticed even in, in Sudbury, see, uh, a few years back, uh, Canada and, and the rest of the world was told, too, that um, the main cities, the other cities were around, should all amalgamate and become super cities. This came, by the way, from the United Nations. And then we'd get a common tax base, common inspectors, and, and uh, common laws for all the, all the lands outlying in the different areas. Well, Greater Sudbury there... Uh, is having a meeting by the government inviting all the people and they, they bring in their change agents to convince the public to go along and how to lie to the public in a nice way. And uh, uh, what it is is a, a, a talk about um, what you now can and cannot do with your land, how you can use it and what, how you're not, you're not allowed to use it anymore. They've changed drastically your own rights on your own property. Well, this is happening across the whole country and... Um, It's coming from the United Nations, by the way. It's going the same way as Australia, where they'll just confiscate your land and say, well, your land is now a carbon sink for for Canadians, carbon outputs, and you get no compensation. They just seize it like that poor guy in Australia. That's only one of many that's happened to. This is all coming from the United Nations. Absolutely. And uh, another program, we uh, there was a presentation that was going on also about the uh, Project Nanook, uh, which was about the Northwest Passage up in uh, up in the, Ar- in the Arctic, and 
of course, in classic Orwellian doublespeak, the Canadian uh, Navy commander that was uh, this is the guest of honor there, he was uh, Alexander Grant. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about how we were trying to fight for Canadian sovereignty. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. then the classic Orwellian doublespeak later on, he said that uh, you, we're going to have the American, the Americans are going to be helping us, uh, help policing the North and help helping with uh, doing military, um, military good. Uh, yeah. Stuff up up in the northern Arctic, and then I started asking him if if this was something having having to do with Iran and Russia, and having to you know setting up a military perimeter around around North America and part of the North American Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh boy, he didn't like those questions. No, but that was in the papers. Member in 2005, when it came out in the Canadian papers, it was called Fortress America. When the the Prime Minister of Canada, the Prime the Prime Minister of Mexico and uh, the uh, U.S. president met together to sign the first part of the Open Amalgamation Treaty for the Unification of the Americas. And they said at the time that that this terrorism has been a a godsend to them because they want to go the same way as Europe, and uh, they, they get too much resistance, so they could use terrorism as a way to integrate all forces, police forces, intelligence forces, the military, and all the rest of it. Well, they actually said in the rest of the articles, and I've even got the tape here from television, I kept it, I played it on the air, because the Americans had never heard this was even happening, and their president was signing this into law, and... Um, it said that uh, already bureaucrats on the federal level in Canada can apply for equivalent uh, positions in the U.S. Uh, department and vice versa. And it also said that as of then, 2005, actually it was 2003 that started, they were amalgamating all intelligence services. And lo and behold, in 2005, uh, FBI offices started opening up in places like Barry and across Canada. We're already integrated. It just, they haven't just told the public all about it yet. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, and here in Canada also, um, we pretty, we're pretty much not under a flat-out dictatorship, you know, with uh, Stephen Harper when he, after he, he had shut down. Part, by the way, this, uh, this, cease, this Codex Elementarius bill, that's what I call it, they're calling it C6, I call it the Codex yeah. Bill. Um, when they passed, con- uh, Congress, Parliament was shut down when it passed. Yes. And uh, that tells me, <laughs> is, that, is that a bit of a symbolism here? That, uh, you yeah. know, now we are in control. We're going to pass these draconian laws now. We're going to be testing these on, can- on Canadian soil, mm-hmm. like I've been trying to warn people about. And uh, we are changing North Bay now. We're, we're trying to, we're going to be start bringing awareness about this to the whole community. Yes. And, uh, Hopefully we're going to be able to get somewhere. And, of course, since you're also in northern Ontario, you're also welcome to join us at any, at any time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and also uh, it's just amazing that people aren't waking up to this. Well, the, you know yourself, you, you take the average newspaper um, that's out every day and you get the front page, right in the front page, your main story is sports, you see, or, or they'll pick some one person that something's happened to, she found her purse, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, some s- trivia that doesn't affect anybody else's lives. They don't tell you what they're really up to, what they're really going on about. Uh, and neither will Harper tell you that this year he signs into law that the final integration part, this is the year for it, 2010, in the summer they've signed the, the last part of this total amalgamation bill. So expect to see an awful lot more uh, U.S. Uh, troops and so on up in Canada. I spoke to guys who work uh, for the Canadian military uh, who actually patrol uh, the northern parts of Canada, and uh, they told me they're already working with them. 
Yeah, and I I spoke with a uh, I got a, a friend of mine that's also in the in the military here. He's been put on uh, under some confidence. He's told me a few things also. Some of the programs that we are going to be working more with the Americans to to, to not not only just build C sixty to mm-hmm. integrate uh, both of our uh, of, of the militaries of the United States and Canada. Yes, but uh, it's going to be it's pretty much going to be the North American Army itself. It is absolutely. They've discussed uh, a totally amalgamated force. I've got the articles here about the complete integration of the of the European forces. Just the same thing. We're just taking after them. That was the prototype again. Was Europe? We were to come second, and the Pacific Rim region was to come third. Yeah. Indeed, and uh, you know, is is there any other method nowadays, like short of like like Max Egan's idea of global non-compliance, that would you know put an end to all this? It's very, very difficult, as you know, in Canada. It's much like Britain. The people are, have never been an active people getting involved in their own lives and what's happening to them. Uh, I noticed when the gasoline goes up now, they don't even complain about the prices anymore. They used to always. Um, I think they're so mind-bombed in an expertise way that uh, they can't think very clearly anymore. Their attitude is, oh, so what? They've got lots of entertainment, mind you. Everybody's stuck on television with hundreds of channels. Um, and it isn't until it hits them personally that it comes down to the crunch. But um, uh, people haven't a clue how things are really run in Canada. For instance, if you have parents here in Canada, and I found this from a, a listener in Sudbury, uh, you're supposed to report if your parent shows any signs of Alzheimer's to the cops. And the cops come into your home with their combat boots and so on and treat you like a suspect. Yeah, and I, and when I lived up in Iroquois Falls, um, it was starting to get really bad up there too. I know Cochrane was getting really bad with uh, with the police forces. They're very, you know, like pretty much acting like much like Gestapo. Yes, that's right. And people are terrified now to speak to them. Uh, they're ter- I mean, these guys are wearing their full combat gear here. You know, the, even the ties and, and their shirts are black. That's the sign of the executioner. Uh, you see, we're not in a democratic system anymore. You're in a totalitarian system of authoritarianism. And that's the message we're, we're seeing all around us now. Yeah. But, but, thank, but thanks for calling. And uh, i got to read this other article too, though. But call in again. Yeah, it, it's astonishing what's happening. But as I say, the, the, most folk haven't got a clue what's actually happening. And, and they say nothing until they personally are hit by some new law or, or agents coming into their land or confiscating their property or whatever. They just don't know what's going on. And they don't care, unfortunately, because they've been so um, fragmented amongst themselves. At one time, people really had communities. Everybody knew what had happened to everyone else in the community, and they'd stand up together. Now everybody's sitting inside that little house of theirs with a glowing eye, the big eye, you know, Lucifer's eye, uh, flickering away there, and they don't even know who their neighbors are, and they don't really want to know what's happening around them. That's a fact of life, and this did not happen by accident either, folks. Nothing does when it comes to micromanagement and control. This article here is that we've all heard about climate gate this to change our lives. You see this climate gate fiasco with all the lying scientists getting massive grants by churning out more lies. 
and the United Nations putting everything into it because that's one of the main techniques they're using supposedly to bring in laws over all commerce, economics, industry, and even your house as well. How are you going to live? You'll need a permit eventually to buy fuel to heat yourself. I mean, I'm not kidding about that. That's the world they plan. And it's all a scam, a giant scam. The leaked emails that we saw exposed all of that. This article here is from the National Post by Lauren Gunter. It says, first climate gates, now glacier gates, January the 20th. Hot on the heels of climate gate, the leaking of thousands of emails and computer files that show many of the world's leading climate scientists fudging the results of their global warming research and contriving to keep skeptics from being published in academic journals comes what we could be called glacier gates. Prominent amongst the claims of impending environmental disaster in the United Nations' fourth report on climate change, published in 2007, was a prediction that all of the 15,000 glaciers in the Himalayas could melt away by 2035. That's just 25 years away. Now the Times of London has discovered that this claim was not based on any scientific inquiry, but rather on speculation and an old speculation at that. In 1999, the magazine called The New Scientist interviewed an Indian climatologist named Syed Hasnain. He told reporters Fred Pierce that it was his speculation, speculation, that the Himalayan glaciers would vanish within 40 years as a result of global warming. Dr. Hasnain cautioned that the data on which he speculated was based, uh, was, was neither published nor peer-reviewed, he says. It says here, the Hasnain interview, according to the Times on Sunday, remained largely dormant until 2005 when the World Wildlife Fund, that's Prince um, Philip's uh, bunch, (coughs) cited in a report it prepared as a lobbying and fundraising tool. And I'll read the rest of this article to show you how they're scamming it again. Out of speculation, we've got to change our lives. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading an article to do with another con game and to show you how the cons, these lies, these scary lies are grabbed by the big foundations and organizations and the United Nations and stuffed in their their fake reports that are supposed to get us to change our whole way of living. Uh, Mind you, they'll all be in charge of how we live. That's what the United Nations was set up to do, not to hand out chocolate bars to people who are starving. But it says here, this uh, review interview by Hasnain, according to the Times on Sunday, remained largely uh, dormant until 2005, till the World Wildlife Fund picked it up, uh, because they were going to do a lobbying and fundraising uh, drive. So they picked up on this scary story. The WWF report was not peer-reviewed either, or checked out. It says, nor indeed uh, it, it has been since it was produced by a special interest group to advance its cause. Nonetheless, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change at the United Nations Official Climate Research Branch picked up the story 
of WWF's untested claim and apparently without doing any further checking of its own stated in its 2007 report that glaciers in the Himalayas are receding faster than in any other part of the world and the likelihood of them disappearing by the year 2035 and perhaps sooner is very high, above 90%. See how they just grab any lie that's in with their agenda and use it and run with it. And repetition, what is it Bertrand Russell says? By repetition, we can make the people believe anything. They keep repeating the same stuff. And it's also in another article too. Uh, I've got the Mail Online. Uh, I'll put that link up as well to show you the same report basically on this particular story. Now, there's a, a caller on the, on the, the phone uh, from Ohio, is Jason? Is it? Are you there, Jason? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yes. You have a pretty good show. I, I like your um, Fall of the Republic documentary. You did pretty good in that. Mm-hmm. Um, since you're talking about a controlled society, um, I had written down some things about my teachers, uh, uh, my geometry teacher, and how she. Like, I just wrote a few things down. It says, I know the best way to teach kids. Uh, I worked for the Ohio State Department of Education, and I know more how to teach than you do. Um, and then uh, she, uh, the, I'm here to teach you critical thinking skills for an employer. And uh, one of the kids started arguing back, and she yelled at them. And uh, I wanted to get what your takes on that, you know, about the education system. Well, the education system, as you know, was one of the first tools to be used to standardize society uh, for behavioral alteration purposes and uh, to make them fit into a pre-existing system of being good taxpayers and good producers, consumers. If you go into the writings of Webster, the great speechmaker back in the 1800s, uh, the guy involved with Webster's Dictionary, and read his article there about the creation of the educational system for America. It says to create good, obedient citizens. And then you take it up from there to John Dewey. And John Dewey uh, came from the Frankfurt School uh, to introduce his, it was to be a communistic uh, type of indoctrination that would enable the U.S. And, and Canada too, by the way, to merge with the rest of the world in a, in a Sovietized system in maybe a hundred years, he said. You have to go into the history of the education. And then Lenin said it too, it's an essential tool for indoctrination. And it still is, definitely. So you're quite right. Um, uh, you probably do know more, more than your teacher does, because you're studying more about what's, what they're all about. That's it for tonight, folks. The time flies in here. From Hamish and myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.